lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday to all of you. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. His name is Todd Erzin. His name is Aaron McIntyre. And we don't know your name yet, but you can tell it to us by emailing the show. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook, MeWe Parlor and Gab. You can follow me uh, on Twitter and at Getter at Steve Dace Show. And the last name, of course, if you've been here before, you've heard me spell it a million times because it often gets spelled wrong. And I need all the credit I can get. Uh, D-E-A-C-E is how to spell the last name. D-E-A-C-E. Get clips of the show that are free to watch and free of censorship over on Rumble.com. When you go to Rumble.com slash Steve Dace show as well. Speaking of shows, if you've not had a chance to watch it uh, last night here on Blaze TV, uh, we did a real State of the Union address. Uh, and first of all, Glenn's opening monologue on the real State of the Union was fantastic. And then we did an above average uh, roundtable that included yours truly. And yes, uh, I went there and I have been given plenty of commentary in response to doing so. We're going to go there again here probably in about 10 minutes. So just uh, be forewarned. All right. But th- that is up on YouTube. Yeah, if you're a Blaze TV subscriber, you get to watch it first, obviously. But now that it's been uh, it's about 24 hours old, uh, everyone can watch it right now over on YouTube, at least until I get our Blaze TV account banned there. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you want to check that out on our Blaze TV page, you definitely want to watch that meeting of the minds. Very fascinating conversation. I mean, I was I was very interested in it and just the parts that I was just listening to other people's perspectives. So I want to thank uh, Glenn and the team at Blaze TV for including me in that conversation here on Blaze TV last night. Here's the conversation that we have lined up for you here today. Uh, we will continue our look at Theology Thursday and Scott Atlas's, I don't even know what to call it at this point, uh, depressing memoir, of uh, this is this is like reading the last days of Pompeii, Trump presidency edition, right? I mean, what went on here in the final months of the administration with COVID? But we we need to see this, we need to study this, because we need to know what we're really up against. And then, frankly, we're getting a great job of being taught what not to do. Uh, up against the spirit of the age. So take copious notes. Uh, We'll have three non-political questions for you later today. At the bottom of the hour, your home state of Wisconsin, Todd, is uh, unveiling some rather fascinating findings when it comes to voter fraud and election integrity. Yes, they are. And we will speak to somebody that's on the front lines of that unveiling coming up here at the bottom of the hour. You don't want to miss that. But here's what you really don't want to miss. Aaron's rundown of what happened. While we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by a trial run. Another trial run for the great reset cabal is going on right before our eyes. Western governments from Germany to UK to the United States and many others have embarked on an all-out conquest of asset seizure from Russian oligarchs in response to the conflict in Ukraine. Just yesterday, authorities in Germany seized a Russian oligarch's superyacht valued at over a half billion dollars, but it's not just the oligarchs. In addition, companies like Apple and Microsoft have stopped allowing their payment services to be used in Russia, causing vast runs on banks and ATMs in the country. 
But the elites won't use this on you someday. 2019 tweet from Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. Justin Trudeau was one of those leaders who inspired me to join politics. Radio host Sean Hannity is having a very normal one. This 40-mile convoy of of Russian troops and, and Russian tanks and munitions and fuel, uh, they're only 18 miles outside of Kiev. And let me tell you, when I look at that, I'm thinking, uh-oh, this is about to become, it's, it's about to go to the next level. You know, if we can see on satellite imagery where the convoy is, I don't know, maybe some smart country, maybe NATO might take some of their fighter jets, uh, or maybe they can use some drone strikes and take out the whole damn convoy. Speaking of having a normal one, here's an event put on by young conservatives of Texas at the University of North Texas featuring a father who lost custody of his child because he wouldn't go along with so-called gender reassignment surgery. Yes, the trans mob shut down the event by saying F you fascist over and over again. Checking in on professional race baiter Ellie Mistel. Are you arguing that the Constitution needs to be scrapped altogether? <laughs> sure, but I don't think that's going to happen. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, if we could throw that out and, and start over with a new document that was more inclusive of everybody, that was written by everybody, at no point have black people, brown people, or women had a say in actually writing the Constitution or the amendments to that Constitution. If we could throw that out and have a delegation of all Americans to write a new one, I would be all for that. Checking in on America's Governor Ron DeSantis. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them off. <laughs> Honestly, it's not doing anything, and we got to stop with this COVID theater. So if you want to wear it, fine, but this is, a, this is ridiculous. All right, well, it's good to be at USF. For those of you listening, that's DeSantis yesterday at an event at the University of South Florida telling students to take their masks off. Checking in on very Catholic Joe Biden. I tell you what. I don't want to get in a debate with you on theology, but you know. Well, anyway, I'm not going. I'm not. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make a judgment for other people. Biden's State of the Union address on Tuesday garnered only 38 million viewers. The first State of the Union address for Bill Clinton had nearly 46 million viewers. George W. Bush 52 million, and Barack Obama's 48 million, and Donald Trump's. 45 million. And finally, the International Cat Federation has banned Russian cats from all competitions. And that's what happened while we were away. I burned all my Chekhov Starfleet uniforms, and I haven't listened to back in the USSR for at least 24 hours. Am I, do, am I doing this right? Is, is, am I doing this right? Do you guys know? The virtue is positively emanating. Uh, hopefully, you can just feel it essentially just... Uh, exploding out of my pores yes the, the virtue explodes yes. you just remind me of that favorite story of your daughter what was it i can feel my energy oh yeah when zoe was little <laughs> and on the radio show i can feel my energy yes yeah that's a good poll that I you can, remembered that that I was like feel my woke. 10 years ago i can feel my woke it's happening right now i'm woken up right now I am woking right now. Yes. Uh, Aaron's Montage brought to you by Raycon. You know, a lot of people are looking for the right fit when it comes to wireless earbuds, particularly when it comes to noise reduction. Well, I have tried several and I have not tried any pair 
that seals out the noise better than Raycons do. It's one of the reasons why they're one of the most popular brands in this industry. One of the reasons why when they get shipped to my house, it's amazing. One of my teenagers just seems to find them uh, before I do. Uh, so uh, if you want to try the uh, their everyday earbuds that look, feel, and sound better than ever, Eight hours of playtime on a 32-hour battery life, and they're priced just right for you. That's why they've got over 48,000 five-star reviews, over 48,000. Right now, uh, get 15% off your Raycon, C-O-N, 15% off your Raycon order when you go to buyraycon.com slash Steve. That's it. You just got to go to that site. No promo code needed. Buyraycon dot com slash Steve. In the overtime today, we will get into the viewership of Joe Biden's State of the Union. I forgot to tell you guys that. Now you, you know. You did. Yeah. Uh, and and what I think it means, because I don't think it means anything good, from 81 million votes to at least the least watched first time State of the Union in 30 years. And it may end up becoming the least watched first time State of the Union in like American television history when all is said and done. And it's all gone down from 81 million votes to 38 million viewers in one year. Hmm. We'll get into that today in the overtime at blazetv.com slash dace. That's where you can go uh, in order to watch that later today after we record it for you following today's show. Or that's also where you can go to become a subscriber today at blazetv.com slash dace. Just 10 bucks a month. Um, Sean Hannity, what you doing? What you doing there, Sean? Isn't he just doing Sean Hannity? Just I trying mean, really? to get, just messing around. Some guys mess around and get a triple double. Other guys mess around and you know try to get a hell of a lot of people killed. That's what we want to do. Let's let's eradicate the convoy of one of the largest nuclear arsenals in the world. He goes on to say, well, you know, if, if, if we could do it smartly, won't know what country it comes from. Even better. So why does he just nuke us all? I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of people. And, and I hope that this is just for clicks and audience, although... Knowing a lot of that audience, I don't think they're all that anxious to turn the, the planet into an incinerator for Ukraine either. Um, but there, there's an awful lot of people that have no problem whatsoever playing, a, playing out a video game over a lot of lives for a country that has been so corrupt, we wouldn't let it into NATO or the EU for that matter. But I, I want to I want to talk to my generation for a second because we have been and I think completely justified uh, in pointing out that the boomer generation wrecked America and is bound and determined at least elements in it within it to never go away until the job is finished. But I want to talk to my own generation for a second. Because one of the things that I am seeing, and, and I, I see it because I used to be there. You know, Todd, you and I have talked quite a bit recently, given the Olympics and other events. You know, we just grew up in an era, we were, we were reared in the Reagan 80s, and, and the good guys and bad guys were so cut and dried, right? Mm-hmm. Cops were always the good guys, right? right? 
military, all are, you know, fly the flag, always the good guys, okay. right? right? The, the, I loved that era. Things just seemed simpler. Even when they were hard. Even when they were hard. I didn't say easy, did I? Yeah, I said simpler. I mean, we had doomsday clocks and constant threats of nuclear war, but we still knew what a woman was. Um, And I, I think we have to be careful that we don't project the era that we were reared in onto the world as it is today. And I'm seeing this. I'm seeing this with people in elected office that I like that I respect, that I'm friends with. I'm seeing this with people who are prominent in our movement and industry, best-selling authors. Again, people that I'm that have been guests in my home, people that I'm friendly with, that I like. This idea, and I and if I'm gonna give Sean Hannity the the most benefit of the doubt, I think. He is buying into this too. This idea that there's a cut and dried solution here. And so I've I've seen these people applauding things like the confiscation of private assets of Russian oligarchs. And in the past, I would have thought this is a brilliant tactic. And if we're just speaking about the tactic in and of itself... It is brilliant. It's just a tactic in a vacuum. It is brilliant. These oligarchs are the new Politburo. They're the ones that really make the trains run on time in Russia. They are the, they are the administrative state that took over mobsters, entrepreneurs, corporations, they're, they're, they're the administrative state that took over at the fall of the Soviet Union. They make the trains run on time. But here's the thing. They're not just Russian anymore. They're global entities too. They own teams in the NBA. They own teams uh, in, in soccer. They invest in motion pictures and movies. And right now, their trophy wives and mistresses are saying to them, what do you mean we're not going to the Cannes Film Festival this year? I look forward to that trip every, every June. What do you mean we're not going? What do you mean? What do you mean my, my $10,000 cat that we spent even more money to have trained and, we, and, we, and we're breeding out now for more suckers? I'm sorry, rich people with too much time on their hands. What do you mean they can't go to the award-winning cat show that we were just laughing at a minute ago in Aaron's montage? You know what I'm saying? This is, this is these people's lives. And they're getting shunned. There's no point to all of this wealth if they don't get to spend it, enjoy it. If they don't get to show champagne wishes and caviar dreams are the next lifestyles of the rich and famous. I'm Robin Leach and I don't know why. How was that? Was that okay? I liked it. That I haven't was pulled one of that one out. Ones. I haven't pulled that one out in a long time, so it wasn't practiced. It was kind of. You have a lot of bad ones, but yeah. that's excellent. I think that's a compliment. Thank yeah, you. It yeah, is. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. But the point being is, these are the people that didn't lock down when they locked us down, and they're being locked down right now. As these oligarchs have gotten wealthier, while Putin has consolidated power and gotten more ruthless. 
they have now been freed up to join the global community. They're not isolated from the world as Vladimir Putin is. They're not in on, they're not in on his uh, Peter the Great reboot ambitions. They don't care. They're global now. They're transnational. And their buddies, they got, they got more in common now, these oligarchs do, with the, the people who hang out in Davos at the World Economic Forum than they do the fellow living in the Kremlin. You tolerate that guy, he, you know, he keeps the streets clean, he keeps your hands clean while he's being ruthless and putting down any would-be competitors for you. That's kind of the social compact, right, in an mm-hmm. arrangement. In a thugocracy like that, that's kind of the arrangement. He's the muscle we make the money. Well, now, though, they've been spreading that money and making it all over the places. Aaron, you were telling me before the show, Russia's second, la- second largest corporation came out this morning and said, hey, this thing's got to end. Basically telling Putin the clock is ticking on, on uh, you getting the job done here. And didn't you tell me, I mean, they own all kinds of gas stations in the Northeast, right? Franchise, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, this matters to them. They're getting locked out now of the accoutrements of their wealth. And if, if they don't have access to it, then they're just, you know, thugs. And they don't want to be thugs now. They want to be legit. This is a brilliant tactic. But there's a problem with it. The world that we used to live in where this kind of stuff was cut and dried, who the good guys and the bad guys are, that world doesn't exist anymore. And I saw our buddy Jordan Schachtel tweet something out this morning. Uh, He said, you know, seizing the wealth of rich Russians is an absolutely terrible precedent to set. And And it's probably blatantly illegal in most Western countries. And it's another test run for targeting domestic opposition. And I think he is sadly and exactly correct. To my fellow Gen Xers, who also grew up in, an era, in, the, in, the, in the Reagan 80s when we knew who the good guys and the bad guys were. And remember the roaring 90s when Democrats still signed defensive marriage acts and welfare reform. We have to accept the world for as it is currently. Not as we were reared in or projected to be. Let me walk you through the process that Jordan is referring to. We have to accept the truth of the last 23 months and the last few weeks in Canada, for that matter, that our Western, quote unquote, democratic governments see us as a potential enemy every bit as much as Putin, albeit for different reasons. But essentially what we're talking about now is just cancel culture as foreign policy. Tragically, that Western esprit de corps that we grew up with in the 80s is gone. It doesn't exist. Your Western, quote-unquote, democracy now actually operates more like Putin's regime than a democracy these days, or at least is the term that we knew it as. As in, let me quantify that for you, as in rules and laws by fiat and force, and you get rights and social access, and those things are, in air quotes, strictly on the basis that you are doing and saying and believing what the regime that grants them to you approves of. Western media, every bit as controlled as state media 
as what Putin has with things like Russia Today in his country. CNN basically is Russia Today. It's in English. They each also actively seek to put down dissent from the statist preferred narrative. They don't just, meaning that they don't just broadcast the propaganda of the state. They seek to put down the dissent to it at the same time. They're not just biased, they're malevolent. They seek to put down opposing views, have them shunned, have them canceled, have them banned. Furthermore, look at our, you want oligarchs? I'll give you some oligarchs. They're in like Silicon Valley. Our big tech, our big pharma, our corporatists, our oligarchs here. I watched a former CEO of Home Depot. I had to get some new tires yesterday, so I'm sitting at Tires Plus. And they have Fox News on and the Neil Cavuto show while I'm waiting for for my tires to go on. And he's interviewing a former CEO of Home Depot. And he says, well, these corporations have to act. You know, they have to they have to show their solidarity with the Ukrainians, because I would imagine their employees are coming up to them saying, are we going to take a stance on this? (laughs) I guarantee you none of their employees are doing this. Yeah, man. You know, I've I've, I've, you know, I've got to make sure, you know, that we've got to. the garage doors over at Home Depot organized, but but I went to my manager and I just I just can't stay focused right now because of what's going on in Ukraine. And I just I won't be able, I won't be able, I won't be able to restock these ball bearings unless I'm comforted by the fact that Kiev is safe. Is happening nowhere. Nowhere. Not happening anywhere. This is what they want. This is who they are. Because they're oligarchs and they're in league with a big, all-powerful, intrusive government, just like the system in Russia. When, when the Biden regime, when, the, when they wanted us treated as lab rats, they didn't send in the FBI, did they? Did they, did they send in the guard? Did they send in the police? Who'd they send in? Guys, who'd they send in? Fauci. No, who'd they send in to implement all of this? The businesses. The corporations. Yeah, big pharma. They sent the corporations to impose it on us, just like Putin does. They're oligarchs. Our oligarchs are just the same as theirs. It's the same system. We don't have a singular villain. It's like the line in Mel Gibson's The Patriot. Why would I trade one tyrant 2,000 miles away for 2,000 tyrants one mile away? That's the system we now have. And corporate America, they're the oligarchs that implement it and impose it upon us. Just like Russia. So the media is the same. The government's the same. Let's continue. This isn't a war. What's going on between Russia and and, the, and, and it's not Ukraine, folks. It's not Ukraine. It's the World Economic Forum Davos crowd. What's going on there isn't a war. It's the Spider-Man finger-pointing gif. These Western democracies look a lot more like Russia than what things looked like when we were growing up in the 80s, guys. Russia versus Ukraine is a proxy war. For Putin versus Davos and the World Economic Forum. This is the Habsburgs. They're arguing over which wing of the global cartel slash cabal has control. By the way, how'd that one end up? The war that ends all wars and a bunch of people getting gassed, right? 
The introduction of weapons of mass destruction. This is Bolsheviks versus Mensheviks. Mussolini versus the communist. Hell, it's Romney versus Obama. There are no good guys here. Regular people don't win. You will take the L either way. Don't be a sheeple. Finally, once this president is is set, what's to stop the Habsburg cabal later saying, you know... The Israelis don't want to give up that land in the Golan Heights in the West Bank. Let's start confiscating the assets of some wealthiest private citizen Israelis. Oh, wait, Mike Lindell, you gave money to the Voter Integrity Project. Let's start confiscating your assets. Oh, wait, that's already happening. Didn't his bank cancel him? That's already happening. This is a terrible precedent to set. And I'm seeing some people that are friends of mine that hold elected office that are best-selling authors giddily pimping this. It's not 1989, guys. Hell, it's not even 2019. Take a step back. Know what time it is. Understand the signs of the times. The calls are coming from inside the house. Okay? The calls are coming from inside the house. Do you understand this? Gentlemen, your thoughts. I hardly even want to do anything to detract from that. I I said earlier in the week that it was never going to be the people rising up against Vladimir Putin. I mean, he was just arresting 80-year-old women yesterday in the streets. He's got no problem doing with that. That's something he understands. But I did say that it's not the exact same form of elite over there comprehensively, but I said that Russia has its own elite, and that is exactly what Steve is talking about. And what they decide and which way they want to go is just harder to corral because this— it, and this it, this relates to what I said about speaking of those Olympics. Why Americans don't care about the Olympics? Not because it's in Big Bad China. We love Big Bads. It's because we have no patriotism over here. We 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 just we've been gutted. And over there, there's I, I'm sure there's some layer of motherland going on over there, but it's not what it was at all. The, the cosmopolitan fever that has struck much of Russia. Steve diagnosed this perpo- uh, per- perfectly. And for good or for bad, maybe that's what is disgusting Vladimir Putin. Maybe he sees, he, when he talks about uh, the destruction uh, of the family and how decadent the West has become, maybe he's maybe he sees that in part in the West and he's misdiagnosed how bad it's gotten there, resents it. I don't know. But... Uh, listen to what uh, Steve said a lot of important things in the last couple of shows, but I, this one rises to the level of everything he said about COVID early on. Basically what he just blew up is what's the model out of the, the, the Imperial College you, model. This is what you just of, heard of foreign policy this and is, seeing the world. Yes, this is what you just heard his Imperial College lecture on this particular war. <sighs> The bottom line here, the bottom line here is if we continue to think uncritically about these issues, again, we've been stressing this 
They're just going to keep rolling back and playing back the greatest hits, the COVID playbook. They're just going to keep doing this over and over again. If we continue to go along with this or have any, any benefit of the doubt for the forces and people and figures who are responsible for the last two years, we're the same ones, we're the same ones spreading this um, nonsense today. Just uncritically, I had a nuclear war, okay. Um, if we continue to do that, the bottom line is, as Steve pointed out, we're the ones who get screwed. Guys, Vladimir Putin, you know, if he doesn't come away with a, an L, he might be deposed, he might uh, go into exile, who knows. But the oligarchs, really, in Russia, they're still going to be living fine. The Davos qu- crowd around the world and around the West, they're still going to be living fine. They're still going to be taken care of. It's ordinary people like you and me listening. It's ordinary people in Russia. They're the ones who are getting the shaft. It's always it's always the little people in these scenarios that are seen as chattel. Are you chattel? Because a lot of you seem to be a, a lot, not a lot of you, but a lot of people I'm seeing, like the Sean Hannity's and the people Steve mentioned, perpetuating this without any critical thinking at all. They seem to want to be chattel. They seem to want to to be ruled. Don't be like that. Don't be a sheep. More in a moment. If you're in the market for some new glasses, um, make sure you check out my friends over at Better Spectacles. Right now, you can get authentic Rodenstock eyewear available for even the most problematic prescriptions like mine uh, for the first time right here in the U.S. Rodenstock, 144-year-old company, considered one of the world's gold standards with over 500 patents. And now they're not just for really simple prescriptions, but problematic ones. About the only thing progressive about me is my uh, stigmatism. It's a little far and a little near, right? That's why you don't have to get the dorky frames anymore. All right. Check out our friends at Better Spectacles. They'll hook you up with a teleoptical appointment when you go to betterspectacles.com slash Steve. So you don't have to leave your house to get access to some of the best trained opticians in the country. You'll get the same expert consultation you would if you were in one of their stores and they'll give you an introductory offer of 61% off their Ghost Spec lenses, plus they throw in those Rodenstock frames for free. Can't beat that. Free handcrafted Rodenstock frames and 61% off when you visit betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Again, that's betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Well, we have been um, following... Some curious events going on, Todd, in your home state of Wisconsin, as the audits and the investigations into an election I absolutely believe was stolen uh, continue uh, in the state of Wisconsin. Eric Cardall is here with us. He is legal counsel for the Thomas More Society. It's good to have you with us here today on Blaze TV. Eric, how are you? Oh, it's great to be here, Steve. Thank you so much. So there's been a lot of breaking news. There's an, You guys have been uh, filing FOIAs and audits. There's a special prosecutor, I believe, or independent prosecutor looking into this. Kind of give us the, the elevator uh, you know, rundown, first and foremost, of what's who's looking at what in Wisconsin and what's been found, Eric. 
Well, the uh, Thomas More Society has been uh, investigating and working in Wisconsin since prior to the 2020 election. And uh, we raised the issue of the Zuckerbuck uh, uh, influence. Um, but really what's important right now is that Can a lot we of pause our, for a second? Explain to our audience what the Zuckerbuck phenomenon, which just got slapped down, I believe, just yesterday, by the way. But explain what that is. Well, uh, Mr. Zuckerberg's wife, Priscilla Chan, uh, uh, put $350 million into Center for Tech and Civic Life. At the same time, they put $69 million into the, the, the Center for Election Innovation and Research. These are two progressive nonprofits who influence election administration. With $350 million that went to Center for Tech and Civic Life was spread out, uh, particularly targeting uh, big cities in swing states. These are big progressive cities in swing states, like the states where Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, and others. And uh, what we what we uh, found uh, was that these uh, grants then were the foundation for encouraging election officials to violate the law. And then in Wisconsin, particularly, there's been a legislative audit bureau report uh, saying election uh, officials violated the law. There's been a, a report by the Sheridan County Sheriff recommending felony prosecutions against election officials for violating the law. We've had uh, the Waukesha County Circuit Court say that the drop boxes used in Wisconsin that were funded by Zuckerberg money uh, violated the law. We've got you know Wisconsin Supreme Court decisions saying the Wisconsin Election Commission uh, guidance regarding people didn't have to show their ID if they're indefinitely confined violated the law. And uh, then we have the Gablin Report, which has 10 different subject areas where election officials violated the law. So when you have serial violations of the law, in multiple subject areas, mm -hmm. then, then you get to that point where, okay, we know that, uh, as Carl Llewellyn, a law school professor said, he said, you know, ideal without technique is a mess. Technique without ideals is a menace. Wisconsin <laughs> election officials are a menace. Mm. They, they're serial violators of the law. They, they don't want to admit it, but as the, Supreme, as the court decisions mount up, uh, that, that they're a menace. It's, 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 it's horrible. I spent my whole career uh, suing uh, the government on behalf of individuals and businesses. Journalists say he's made a career out of suing the government. That's me. And so I've never seen anything like this. And then the crazy thing, Steve, is the exact same election official illegalities that occurred in Wisconsin, occurred in Michigan, occurred in uh, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona. And so why is that? Because these progressive nonprofits have narrowed their mind to manipulate elections and election officials to influence outcomes. And it's all illegal and it's all got to stop. And, and that, that's you know, where we're coming from. Eric, this might be a shorter conversation based on your initial answer. If, if you actually tell us what precisely in the last election in Wisconsin was legal. <laughs> no, that, that's right. Uh, there, 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 there wasn't anything. But yet, uh, Steve, when you look at the progressive nonprofits and their influence on state and local election officials, they present it's the best election process in the world. And then when I do the bottom, when, it, when Thomas More Society and I and others do the bottom up reality based fact investigation, illegality, illegality, illegality. It's just, it's just horrific. I mean, it, there's no other subject area that I've, I've sued in every subject area you can imagine. I've sued every type of government entity you can imagine, federal agencies, state agencies, counties, townships, 
uh, you know, uh, uh, school districts, public universities, every type of government. And I've never seen this amount of illegality. I mean, serial illegalities in many areas. And we, we can start with, you know, the, the Zuckerbucks in Wisconsin. That, that constitutes election bribery. If you or I, Steve, went into Milwaukee City Hall and said, here's a thousand bucks, get those people over there to vote. In Wisconsin, that's election bribery. Just because uh, Center for Tech and Civic Life with the Zuckerberg money had 8.8 .8 million and a 20-page contract, it's the same election bribery. They were coming into the cities and say, go get those people to vote, increase their in-person and FC voting opportunities. Then the $216,000 of that went to purchase drop boxes to be placed in those targeted neighborhoods in those five cities. And the courts have said, well, that's legally unauthorized, that's illegal. So you have money coming from out of the state to purchase illegal processes in the cities to turn out a particular type of voter. Um, on the nursing homes, the Wisconsin County Sheriff's recommended prosecutions of the Wisconsin Election Commission because in the November election, they, they gave guidance, don't send out the Democrat and Republican special voting deputies to the nursing homes to make sure that's done right. And, and, that, and the, the Racine County Sheriff said they should be prosecuted. They knew what the law was. They didn't follow it. There are very few uh, pandemic-based uh, restrictions at the time because Wisconsin was one of those states that didn't have a lot of re restrictions. Uh, on top of that, in those five cities, we looked at the nursing homes with the memory care units, and, and they voted at 100% registered resident voting rate. And then I went in and interviewed uh, uh, through the invitations of the family. Those are some, some spry active communities there, Eric. I mean, you can't, I mean, don't don't deny their commitment to Hugo Chavez-like vote turnouts there. Oh, absolutely. And so, so it's, it's that's right. So the nursing home thing is really horrific. And, and Steve, I don't know, this will make sense to you because you're a student of the left. And so the left, these progressives, have narrowed their minds so much. And you even see this in the AP fact check. Well, in Wisconsin, you don't lose your right to vote unless the court says you don't have the right to vote. Yeah, but the some of the people I interviewed, two of the eight, had lost the right to vote. They were under guardianship, do not vote, and they were voted anyway. And with respect to the other six, they weren't capable of voting. And so if someone votes for them, that's voter fraud. You can't look at Wisconsin election officials, listen to me. If the person's incapable of voting, no one else can vote for them. If they're comatose, it doesn't matter if the courts have adjudicated them uh, as a ward or not, because they're incapable of voting. The person voting for them is committing voter fraud. And, and so they narrow their minds so much. Oh, you know, we can vote those nursing homes 100% because if Mr. Colonel comes in and sues us, we can say, oh, they had the right to vote. No, but if they're incapable of voting, that's voter fraud. You see how bad they are? So this, I guess what you're telling us is this couldn't possibly all be by accident. Exactly. It was all intentional in hundreds of millions of dollars. Soros started ERIC, Electronic Registration Information Center. Dave Becker found that. The, the hero of Ukraine? Uh, the man who wants to make sure we have free and fair elections and protect the Ukrainian borders? You're telling me that George Soros came in here and... He helped fund this operation that just seems so contrary to our new noted freedom fighter, George Soros, hero of Ukraine. No? 
Right. You're right. Weird. And the next step is yeah. David Becker at the CEIR relates back to oh. Eric, their sister organizations, Center for Tech and Civic Life. And then, of course, um, the connection with the Obama campaign is that David Plouffe went from being you know, the, the star of the Obama campaign, mm -hmm. the manager. He went to being a political and charity director for Zuckerberg. And while he was charity and political director for Zuckerberg, he wrote the book, The Citizen's Guide on How to Beat Donald J. Trump. And right in there, it says, what we need to do is go into Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and Detroit, and we need to battle block by block. And they're willing to engage in election bribery in Wisconsin to accomplish it. It's really an awful thing. I mean, even the AP fact check that just came out, you know, Oh, you know, Gableman's ignores some facts. You can look at the AP fact check and go, well, you're not including the facts. You know this. The funniest section was on the drop boxes, right? So the drop boxes have been adjudicated as illegal by the Waukesha County Circuit Court. The Wisconsin Supreme Court has review, and the Wisconsin Supreme Court 4-3 says the drop boxes won't be used in the April primary. And then the AP fact check is like, Oh, the law is silent on whether drop boxes are allowed. No, it's not silent. It's already been adjudicated. You know, uh, to me, a sure sign of government insanity is when the courts adjudicate issues and the government official still wants to argue about it. You, you know what I'm meaning? Yeah. I mean, if the courts are the last word, and here we got the word basically that that the drop boxes were illegal in the 2020 election then, you know, we have to accept that, right? I mean, we're all, no, not if you're a government official, you can still argue that the language was silent on drop boxes. Well, no, what the language says is there's two ways to vote by absentee. One is to give it to the clerk of the clerk's office or to mail it in a U.S. postal box. The drop boxes were legally unauthorized. They were illegal. Well, there's a lot of people that don't have maps. I'm sorry, different subject matter, quoting the current vice president. Um, so... What kind of numbers are we talking about here? Like this could be systemically bad, right? Systemically corrupt. Are we talking margins that would be enough to alter the outcome of an election? Well, uh, yeah, the, the standard is, you know, in Georgia, in Arizona, is that you can do a post-election contest if election official illegalities cast doubt on the election. Mm-hmm. So, so there, a voter can come forward and say, oh, look, those drop boxes are illegal. Uh, we got to redo the election. And an election like this would be subject to post-election contests, would be thrown out and redone. There was an election, I think, in Clark County, Nevada, under a similar standard that had to be redone. That's the, Las the Vegas, by the way, for people that don't know, which probably doesn't surprise anyone. That's one place where this actually happened, but go ahead. Yeah. Right. And so, But unfortunately, in Wisconsin... The, the post-election uh, contest statute and the certification process basically only allows a candidate to petition for a recount. And so in Wisconsin, uh, you, basically the law is you certify elections even if they're rigged. But, you know, so that, that's like the bad news, okay? Uh, <laughs> rightly or wrongly, that's what it is. But the good news is... Oh, there's good news. <laughs> okay. You know, the good news yes. is that Wisconsin has a, a statute that uh, allows voters to sue election officials for violating election law and to seek administrative corrections. 
So as I mentioned, there are the 10 subject areas, and in those subject areas, there are serial violations of the law by election officials all over the state. And so we're going to be filing lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit to clean this up, because the only way to do it while the Wisconsin Election Commission and the municipal officials involved are denying things. I don't know if you heard, but the Great Bay City Council, which is pretty liberal, uh, they were debating a resolution last night to stop the Zuckerberg funding of uh, Green Bay's elections. And, and the Republicans and more conservative people almost got a majority. I think they failed by one vote. So, so even in these liberal cities, uh, you know, uh, you common sense and ordinary language can prevail, but it's a lot of work because, you know, they, they've mm -hmm. been drinking from the trough that, you know, oh, these progressive organizations, they're here to help, but they're not helping, Steve. They are not helping if election officials are led to illegalities. Right. And, and so even I was talking to a mainstream newspaper reporter today, and he was like, you know, almost conceding the point that, oh, yeah, I guess if uh, CEIR and CTCL and and all these other National Voter Home Institute are going to be influencing election officials, they should probably not encourage them to violate the law. Yes, yes, it's true. <laughs> Don't violate the law. <laughs> and, and I think the real sad thing about this is that we've gotten so bad, there, there's sort of a tyranny involved. So, so the tyranny involved is like you and I, ordinary guys, little people, if we violate even the little laws, we get prosecuted. But big people, real big people, and they violate the big laws, there aren't any consequences. So, so here, you know, the, the, the billionaire Zuckerberg comes in, you know, does this all the election administration to influence the outcome. Right. And, and then, like, we, we have to, like, follow the traffic laws. Well, uh, okay. then, he, then he runs the world's largest really social media site where he gets to then ban you for questioning whether the election was uh, was was uh, fraudulent or not. I've got about a minute here. Where, where, how can our people f keep following this story and the work you guys are doing on this at the Thomas More Society, Eric? Well, uh, thomasmoresociety.org has, has a website, and, and we're really uh, loading it up now with lots of relevant and important information. But as a practical matter, you know, get informed and start engaging with, with local election and state election officials. Uh, I think 31 states are signed up with this progressive nonprofit, ERIC, that was funded by Soros. That can't happen anymore. Okay. Uh, communities all over the nation took CTCL money. Uh, uh, several counties in Wisconsin are considering passing resolutions that it's a crime to take uh, private money for election. So this is the new acorn, basically, is what you guys are uprooting here. Is This is the new acorn. It's just... It's rebranded. It's been rebooted. All right. What's the website? One more time again, quickly. Uh, ThomasMoreSociety.org. ThomasMoreSociety.org. God bless you guys and the work you're doing. Keep it up. All right. And, and keep us informed Thanks. on it too, please. Okay. Thanks, Steve. You bet. All right. We're short on time here, but I definitely want to get you guys' reaction to this, particularly because it's your home state. Uh, we'll do that before we dig into Theology Thursday when we come back here in just a moment here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. We're back with Hour 2 live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Totters, and he's Aaron McIntyre. Of course, you can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. -E. 
Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show and Getter as well. Look us up at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. And then, of course, if you are a podcast listener, if you have yet to do this, please leave us a five-star review. Hit subscribe or follow. Those two gestures help the show to continue to grow and gain favor with Skynet, otherwise known as the all-powerful algorithms that now govern our lives. And for those of you that have already done those two things for us, we appreciate each and every one of you. So thank you. Uh, This portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at the Z-Stack. If the last two years have taught us anything, uh, it is that we simply cannot trust government and big pharma uh, solely and really without it unskeptically with our health, without taking any control of it and understanding of it uh, whatsoever. And that's where Dr. Vladimir Zelenko comes in. Uh, Several of you have emailed me about his appearance recently on Jason Whitlock's show here on Blaze TV, uh, that you were kind of blown away by that conversation enough so that I may have to go go back and dig that one out of the archives and listen to that one myself. But uh, Dr. Zelenko was on our show uh, just a couple of weeks back. Uh, He created the Z-Stack formula that is, uh, it's a supplement That helps you to be undergirded and prepared for COVID and any ensuing variants, as well as a lot of other other respiratory illnesses like, say, the flu. All right. So you can start taking it now in order to try to get yourself prepared and healthier for any future infections or variants. All right. If you want to receive more updates uh, from Dr. Zelenko or you want a discounted first opportunity at uh, the Z-Stack, just go to ZStackLife.com slash Dace. ZStackLife.com slash Dace. Use the promo code Dace to get started there with a discount for the Z-Stack at ZStackLife.com slash Dace. For those of you wondering what this is, a lot of the vitamin C, vitamin D, a lot of the the, uh, the cocktail aspects of the treatments that require several different pills, he put them all together into one compound to make it even more convenient, all right? ZStackLife.com slash DACE, promo code DACE. All right, before we move on to Theology Thursday, two things. Number one, uh, I just received this email from PK. He says, please... Don't get distracted by Ukraine. Stay focused on exposing the fraud and criminal acts behind the COVID scam. Appreciate all you guys are doing. We won't get distracted. And here's why, brother. They are the same story. They're the same story, all the same people. We could have issued crippling sanctions against Russia. We didn't do it. Why? Still haven't done it. Why? Why didn't we treat people with hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin? Why didn't we do that? Why could there only be one particular set of solutions from one particular group of elites with no second opinion? Same exact thing here. In this case, Putin is the virus, a very deadly contagion. But there's ways to deal with him. How can, how can we can only deal with him in certain ways? And only by certain people. The I'm pouring out my Russia vodka, Russian vodka is the new here's my mask. Zelensky is the new Fauci. The unassailable, cannot be questioned hero that you didn't even know lived 10 minutes ago. Then you find out stuff like, oh, the dude admires Justin Trudeau. Ooh, the guy's doing tranny dances. 
What's up? Yeah, they left that part out of the bio. Hell, the Russian people are the new unvaccinated. The poor Russian people, it's not their fault they live under a bloodthirsty tyrant. That's not their fault. Just like, who's, was it our fault that the virus got out of that lab? Was it our fault that that happened? No. no? Was it our fault that all of the official solutions we were offered for the virus getting out of that lab all sucked? Was that our fault? No. But the elites could say anything about us that they wanted to anyway, couldn't they? They could blame us for everything, blaspheme us up one side and down the other. We were the cursed people. There's a lot of people in Russia today that, man, they're just happy they don't get robbed and they don't know where their next meal's coming from. But it's okay. It's okay to punish the hell out of them. Most of them don't want their babies over in the mud in Ukraine either. It's not their fault. So don't worry, PK, we won't get sidetracked because they're the exact same story from the exact same people. Skynet evolves. Tumors metastasize. Finally, before we move on to Theology Thursday, I've got to get you guys' reaction to the conversation we just had with Eric Cardall, who is the legal counsel for the Thomas More Society, looking into... We're way beyond calling them voter irregularities. At this point, I don't know I don't know what was actually legal in your home state's election last go-around in 2020, looking at the systemic issues that they have uncovered there. So as you listen to that interview, your reactions, and Todd, i got to start with you, because again, this is your home state. Well, I was a uh, reporter at uh, one time at the Des Moines Register, covered a lot of city council and school board meetings. So I've seen a lot of dumb nonsense and when he went on his riff there i've sued every form of government in the land i've sued (laughs) and i i was like a music video from the 80s sunset in the distance me just staring longingly celine dion is playing in the background i just that a special special place in my heart because when he I, i when he says that i've seen all the dumb i've seen all the shady I've seen the worst at every level of government. And oh, by the way, the worst I've ever seen is in a federal election to put the dementia patient in as president of the United States. I don't know. Is that bad? That is something. I mean, taking him at his word, you know, I have no reason not to. I just never heard the name Eric Cardall till about four days ago, right? When we started talking about whether we were going to book this interview. But taking him at his word that he has been in the muck and yeah. the mire against corruptocrats for many, many years, and even he is at a loss for words, that does speak volumes, does it not? It's grotesque. It's pornographic. This, this election and, and uh, the, the, the cavalier nature, as we diagnosed with our... Uh, our, our Attorney friend, Karen Mueller, you know, the, the, this everybody just d- decided not to care about the law. Don't just blame progressives for this. I mean, blame them. But Republicans are on the hook of this. We diagnosed that. How long ago was that when we had Karen Mueller on the show? It's been a long time. We've known this for a long time. It's been, it's been over a year. And then when he just says out loud, oh, yeah, by the way, we even when you know that there's nothing good happening here and it's all illegal, we still have to uh, ratify the election anyway. Mm -hmm. What are we doing here? I have no idea. 
We're just not a serious people. No, we are not. We're just not a serious people. What's a woman, Steve? Indeed. You brought up, you dropped the name Acorn uh, towards the end of that interview with uh, Eric Cardall. And I had honestly forgotten, I had honestly forgotten about Acorn. And that's the, you know, kind of the um, uh, cutting teeth of James O'Keefe at uh, Project Veritas before Project Veritas was a thing. I I don't know. Um, This seems as bad or worse (laughs) than than Acorn uh, to me. It's... I think what gets me right now, and again, this is with the this is with the um, precondition that not a lot surprises me anymore. Whether that's just because uh, there's there's so much every day, or I've just become desensitized, or something else, I don't know. But the abject brazenness, the abject brazenness that the left acts with, they knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. Yeah, it was maybe with a wink, wink, nod, nod. But they knew what they were doing the whole time. It's because... It's because this is religion to them. Power and the acquisition. The will to power. Progressivism. Everything coming from from the government is their religion. And what do you do... What do you do in a religion? What do you do with any religion... If it's real, if your faith is real, then you will act upon that faith. To the modern progressive, their entire ethos, their entire ethos is let's find out. That's why they act so brazenly. And that's, that's why it's, well, that, that's why it, it seems like our, our, our um, turn towards the left is less of a, a sloping or a slouching and more of a sprinting towards Gomorrah. It's because these modern progressives, they spend their entire life living out their faith and their faith says, oh, let's find out how far we can push the rules if there are any rules whatsoever. That's what gets me about this story. It's just how nakedly, um, nakedly brazen and bold these people have become. Mm-hmm. God bless Thomas More Society and Eric Cardall for exposing this and Pray that uh, the various lawsuits that they'll be launching around Wisconsin for election officials actually hold people truly accountable. You guys want a little bit of hope? Always. I'll give you a little bit of hope. I know in the audience you want some too. I just saw this. Um, In the Texas primary on Tuesday, where frankly there was not a lot of good news, we actually got this piece of news that's pretty good. My buddy Chip Roy got more raw votes than any other Texas congressional Republican congressional wow. candidate in the entire state. Hey man, hey man. And this right. is outside of this district is outside of where Austin, Austin, right? yeah, suburban Austin, yeah. Uh, he even surpassed the 2018 and 2020 primary vote totals when he was facing a full-on contest for the a nomination. He was not this time. Okay, so even he even did better running largely unopposed than he did in 2018 and 2020 when there was an active and vibrant primary going on in those races. So there is a little bit of hope, right? As you watch Greg Abbott get 70% of the Texas primary vote after masking people outside in the summertime, okay, and doing nothing on the border or and on most other things, 
there is a little bit of hope when you see something like that, that if indeed we get people elected and they go to the mattresses like Chip does or what you've watched Ron DeSantis do in Florida, that there is still 7,000 men in Israel who haven't taken the knee to bail yet who will recognize, right? So there's a little bit of hope. Let's get to Theology Thursday, brought to you by the Inspire 2022 Conference. Uh, They're going to be sponsoring Theology Thursday during the month of March. Uh, And that's brought to you, this conference is brought to you by a ministry called Fit for the King. And they've got an upcoming online conference, Inspire 2022, that takes place on Saturday, April the 1st. There you can see if you're watching on Blaze TV that uh, there's a roundtable that includes uh, our good friend, Dr. Ryan Cole, and yours truly will be a part of this as well. Uh, It will help you learn a sort of a gospel-centered view of uh, your body and health and healthy living. Uh, They've been doing this now for, this is going to be the eighth year, okay? So uh, this is going to be the the most expansive program that they have ever done yet, uh, including Olympic gold medalist, world record holder, Sidney McLaughlin uh, is going to be uh, a part of this. There's going to be a cameo from from your daughter uh, as well uh, during uh, this event. So if you want to learn more information, uh, all you need to do is register by capturing the QR code on the screen. When you go to inspirehealth.com, inspirehealth.com, you can register uh, for, this is a free conference, all right? You can register for free. Uh, Just scan the QR code when you go to inspirehealth.com. If you want to know what does it mean to treat the body like the temple it is that God gave you, all right? That's what they're going to focus on at inspirehealth.com. Again, inspirehealth.com. All right, let's get to this exercise and grueling frustration, but we must finish, folks. We have to finish this. Trust me, I am not enjoying this any more than you guys are, all right? This is, this is painful, man. We're going to have to call this your weekly proctology exam, okay, without a local. That's what this thing is. But sometimes the truth hurts. And there is plenty of hurtful truth in Scott Atlas's book here, A Plague Upon Our House, My Fight at the Trump White House to Stop COVID from Destroying America. Now, why are we using Dr. Atlas's book for Theology Thursday? Because we've done a lot of things uh, from a theological, philosophical, um, epistemological perspective over the years on Theology Thursday, historical. But now it's time to look at it very practically. What... How do we, we're, we're observing how the spirit of the age behaves in its natural habitat this year on Theology Thursday. And with this very first book, we are sadly learning uh, how exactly not to respond to the spirit of the age, how to fail at every step of the way in response to the spirit of the age, because that's basically, guys, what Dr. Atlas is chronicling here. This is the last days of Pompeii, uh, Trump administration edition. I love this chapter. They're in... Uh... In Breaking Bad, there was, you saw it, Aaron, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's one episode in all of it that's just like a, it, it stands alone. It doesn't move the narrative forward at all. And it's just the two guys trying to catch a fly that's about to infect their <laughs> meth. And this chapter starts, it feels like this. He's like talking about it. Like he just needed, to, I'd love to ask him about this like if he intended to do this because it it's comedic timing is amazing he's taking you through tours of the city and the views and the hotels he's 
he uh, stayed at and some of the people, non-political people and the just the relationships there and the Rose Garden and, you know, more beautiful than you can possibly, smaller than I, uh, much smaller than I thought, but always being curated. It's just like maybe you needed a pause in all of yeah. everything I've brought you so far. And it just builds right up until, and then the only thing worth talking about then is the very last page uh, where Burke's, uh, she, Donald Trump puts Burks. Uh, do you agree with uh, what Dr. Alice is saying? And she says, uh, uh, I think we do. And, and he, Trump looks to him and says, is that true? And he says, no, that's not true. And just goes on to say what he really thinks. And Trump leaves the room and she screams at him and says, never do that to me in the Oval Office again. It's so perfect. This placid, dulcet tone leading right up to the end where the punchline is. We're not about the truth here. Did you not get the memo? This has nothing to do with the truth. You never tell the truth. It was... It's it's a sitcom. The whole damn thing was just the, the a problem sitcom. The problem is the joke is on us. Yeah. And and this poop ain't funny, man. We're only we're only 12 months, 13 months into this this dementia-rattled Marxist administration. This poop ain't funny. It stopped being funny like 12 and a half months ago. And okay? Atlas is clearly a guy... Who's like he he no he really is no nonsense. But he his reaction to that over that all of us would be that way on some level. He just said the he was talking about the gravitas of being there, knowing the duty, being in the White House, what he felt his obligation was to the truth, and and for her to throw a like thirteen year old girl who got a you know, mean tweet temper tantrum, and he's like I didn't I didn't even know what to do with that. I, because what do you do with that? I thought this was a global pandemic we were trying to stop. I didn't think this was about your fragile little ego. It this this book never fails to disappoint in terms of. Oh gosh, that's I, that's your endorsement line. Yeah. This book never fails to disappoint. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It never gets better. If you're and, new here, we love Scott Atlas. Yeah, it just yeah. doesn't sound like that. Right now. Oh no, it's just amazing. He, I thought it. I mean, it. it there hasn't been a positive chapter. It's all been absurd. And have I've gotten to the end? And I just want you to know there will not be one. It's there, all been absurd, be. and more so than even I thought. It's. It, this is a circus, and not a good Ringling Brothers one. It's like the ghetto one, you know, in a, off in some third world country. No, this is terrible. Why if? if I'm going to ask a question that's going to make a lot of people mad, but I just need to know the answer to it. Help me understand. Like, let's put it in a different context, okay? I run this company. You two work for it, right? Yes. Okay. We face a very challenging circumstance as a company. You, you claim, Todd, that you and Aaron, all right, are on the same side on which direction you're advising me we should go. Mm-hmm. I look at you, Aaron, and say, is that true? And you say, I think so. It's not. It's not true. No. <laughs> yeah, it's not true that we're not on the same side. Okay. And then my response is to just walk away. I don't want clarity. I don't, I don't want clarity on that. My response is just to walk away. All right. Well, good to know. Anyway, what are they talking about on CNN? I mean, that's my response. Trump's response is just to walk away. I, I don't want to. I don't want clarity. I, 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 this a, is, that's that, that's driving me nuts. 
That's driving yeah. me nuts. And this goes on. That's a reoccurring theme here. See, there's a reason why the spirit of the age clouds and mucks everything up. One of the main enemies of the spirit of the age, folks, is clarity. It hates clarity. It hates it. You're not going to beat pea soup with pea soup. Beelzebub doesn't cast out Beelzebub. The way out of this was not to try to, to, to gaslight and obfuscate and, and, and take the edge off. That's what, that's what the enemy's team does. The way out of this was clarity. At, you may not recognize it. Scott Atlas handed Donald Trump his re-election right in that moment, right then. Right then he handed him his re-election. That is the moment right then where the badass that you all think he is could have turned and said, you ever come into this White House, this Oval Office lady with your bedazzled damn masks? You ever come in here and, and lie to me like that again? And I'll have you out on your ass fast that you can say CNN contributor Debbie Burks. Get the hell out of here. Scott, you're in charge. This was the key. This was, this was fate intervened so many times to this White House to try to stop what eventually happened and is still happening to us as a people right now. And at every turn, they not only looked the gift, they didn't even look the gift horse in the mouth. They looked the other way over and over again. This was the moment Atlas speaks up right here. And this was the moment they could have done a dramatic U-turn and reclaimed the narrative and gone on offense we're going to pass on clarity again. It was, That's it, driving me nuts. It was almost as if it was enough for Trump to bring Atlas in just to mess with her. Like he knew she needed, he, he didn't like her. He was frustrated with her, but he, for whatever reason, wasn't going to fire her. And it was just enough to and entertain I'm okay him. with that if we're playing with our food before we eat it. I'm okay with it. It's not like, the, it's not like this, this Daffy Duck didn't deserve a little bit of that, right? But eventually, yes, it, it, it can't be entertainment for entertainment's sake. This has to be leading somewhere, Right. Apparently not. One would have thought. We've been asking that question in different forms for two years. The lion's share of this chapter is uh, Scott Atlas talking about his his upbringing and, and per- personal experience. And um, the entire point of the chapter, I believe, is him painting a picture of how much different he is. How much different. Not in a... Not in a condescending or um, prideful way, but just he's a different animal. And he, he didn't know what to expect in terms of the people that he would come across in D.C. And he's careful, he's careful to distinguish between um, certain staff. I mean, he, in the chapter, he compliments the, uh, the staff at the Trump Hotel for being courteous and professional. Some of the staff, uh, not high-ranking staff at the White House, being courteous and professional. But when he, he's talking about the difference between him and, uh, and the big people, the, the, uh, the gurus, if you will. And it, it, it kind, of, kind of dovetails with the conversation, uh, the ongoing conversation that we've been having about Ukraine and, uh, and, and COVID and, and, and the similarities before, between those two stories the biggest similarity between those two stories is we have vast swaths of the of the west especially here in the united states 
that are just completely and totally sheep, unwilling to do any yep. critical re- uh, research or thinking for themselves. And if you confront them with something different that challenges the affirmed narrative, what you're not really doing, here's why I think people get so upset. You know, there are some that are just completely lost, completely done. But I think the reason why people get so upset with you if you're walking into a store without a mask for the last two years, the mask Karens get so upset is because you're not you're not saying uh, I'm different or special. That's what they tell you. You're not an exception to the rule. What you're doing is confronting their laziness, confronting their little idol. You're saying, no, you are capable of doing your own. You're capable of more than this. You're better than this. And that's why they don't like it. And Scott Atlas, in that interchange with Debbie Burks that you just talked about, Todd, that's essentially another version of walking into a store full of mask Karens without a mask. Mm-hmm. You're rocking the boat. And she lost her damn mind. She lost her mind on him. She, he stepped on her shibboleth of the damned. Correct. Right in her face. Yes. These stories, you know... Uh, is politics down from 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 culture or the other way around? And the answer is yes. These people are reflections of the broader culture around them. Just it's just that they have maybe a different tax bracket. They have uh, more power or perceived power. I mean, Debbie Burks, and 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 really, guys, I, I think in that interchange, yes, the 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 big splashy thing was was Burks losing her mind. But uh, did you notice what Atlas observed right after that? A bunch of mumbling from White House staff kind of painting the picture of, oh, boy, that was uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. These people are so, so used to not having to live in a confrontational environment or world. When we're talking about um, boardrooms at companies, there needs to be confrontation. Again, I bring up the, the example. I don't mean to, to, to um, um, just completely take up all the time here. Uh, Steve Jobs, you listen to, to, to stories about him and how he... Re- there was constant confrontation, constantly. I mean, it was difficult to work for him. But that's how you make a, a great company. I guess you can call Apple great. Uh, a successful company, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll say that. But these people were so unused to confrontation. And we're talking about... We're talking about the leader of the free world here. That's not good. That's not a good thing. We cannot successfully push back the spirit of the age without being comfortable with clarity and confrontation. Because clarity and confrontation are two of the spirit of the age's most primary weaknesses. It's like standing up to Superman without kryptonite. Good luck with that. We have to we have to have clarity and be comfortable with confrontation. Now, I think Trump is perfectly comfortable with confrontation. I don't think he's perfectly comfortable with clarity. That's demonstrated in this book numerous times. And that's all right. No one person embodies every characteristic you're looking for. Otherwise, they'd be something more than a person. 
But then the staff has to has to fill the rest of those things out. And one thing that comes clear here is that this is you, this is a Jared Kushner culture. You can see it all the way through. Yeah. Yep. That, that it's he's essentially president. This is his office culture. I know a few things about what Trump's office culture was like from the times I spent with his operation in 2015. And he actually liked the whole team of rivals concept. I mean, he pitted my buddy Sam Numberg and Corey from Lowell, uh, Lowell Mass against each other. He liked that concept. He, he liked it to be cutthroat. He liked to say, we've only got spot for one person and we're going to have tryouts. So to me, this is, he's just, he just handed his manhood over to Jared Kushner and he ran the show. This just has the smacking of ballist technocrat. It just smells like it all the way through. You cannot beat the spirit of the age without clarity and confrontation. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show. And if you are sensitive about your hair loss, I've got great news for you. Keeps has you covered by offering you the same doctor-recommended, clinically proven research-backed treatments to stop hair loss and improve hair growth. Their physicians will help you select the right products and treatments for you uh, in your specific situation. Uh, And then all their treatment plans are delivered straight to your door. Everything you need to do to get those plans is all done online Uh, and about half the cost of a traditional pharmacy. Uh, Your plan also comes with a full year of unlimited messaging, so you can connect with your doctor about anything, anytime. All right, and there's also big savings to get you started. 50% off your first order when you go to keeps.com slash grow. So save the regular discount all of the time, the convenience all the time, and then get an even bigger discount to get you started that very first time. When you go to keeps, K-E-E-P-S, for keeps.com slash grow. Again, that's keeps.com slash grow. And now it is time for three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. Yes, we need a little respite from the demise and fall of Western civilization. Three hopefully good non-political questions. Hopefully good is basically what I bring to the table every day. Question number one, what's one thing that makes you irrationally angry? One innocuous thing that makes you irrationally angry. So it's like something angry. silly yep. and it shouldn't set you yep. off, but it does. Um, All my anger is justified. <laughs> <laughs> that's no, a that's not. that's a peak Todd comment right there. Yeah. I can't wait to see what you're like at like 70, dude. Because you're like that now. Okay? I mean, I can't even imagine what you'll be like then. All right? I mean, we'll literally have to have to have you put away. I mean, you'll you'll be sitting Eastwood Grand Torino style with a loaded with a loaded uh, 12 gauge see, on your porch, okay? I, I think he's going to end up like one of the ends from Lord of the Rings, just kind of 
takes his time, does his own thing. See, this is funny because I am by far and away the most social of the three of us. Yeah, but th- th- that social interaction isn't necessarily affirming. <laughs> Thank you for You're that. Right, you are more social. I'm, I'm you know, uh, stalking <laughs> my school board on Twitter. I'm very social. All right. Very social. All right. <laughs> the entire poor Carlisle's uh, library board. All right, is literally praying for my deportation. Well, See how social I am. They, yes, they they asked for my socialness. Um, you know, for me, it, it would be how worked up I can get about um what was done with the original Justice League movie and the whole DC EU going off the rails and um my desire to jump in because I have, I just love those characters so much. They were such a huge part of my childhood and upbringing, my desire to get in there and fix it and how annoyed I can get, you know, at the direction that everything is, that everything has gone since. Although that's been a little satiated since they went ahead and put Zack Snyder's version of justice league out last year. And it's absolutely phenomenal, but that is something that can, that absolutely can grind my gears. That does. Yeah. Um, well, I think s- slow walkers in in crosswalks that just take their time and it's not a, like a stop like it, it, it's a stop sign so if you're not in my way I could go and they walk like they're at the equivalent of brunch like get but I can't I get it, it that's like one thing where I can't constructively I, get you. My, I, I was, can't do anything <clears throat> about my anger in that. So what, what, what's the point? I, I nearly <laughs> killed a teenager the other day. I was coming home uh, from work on Hickman and he was in a no, he wasn't even in a crosswalk. It was, he was just jaywalking across the street and Hickman, if you're not around from around here, Hickman, uh, towards the West side of major town, it's yeah. a very major thoroughfare and he was jaywalking across there and I was going 50, 55 miles an hour and he comes across, stops in the median and I start to slow down just to make sure, okay, this kid is not going to try to get out in front of me, is he? And I kid you not, he starts to walk out. I think he thought he was going to go behind me. I had to slam on my brakes. My tires squealed. I honked at him. I get it. The walkers are bad. They're bad. Um, I don't like the guy. You know what? If we're going there, people riding their bikes down the street in traffic. Okay. I actually... It, it just annoys the freaking living hell out of me. I, I, okay. So that used going, to me. Going to, work, <laughs> going to work one morning uh, last year, a couple of years ago, I asked... I just... I pulled up alongside one of them. I rolled down my window and asked, why are you riding... Like, there's a, a wide bike trail yeah. right next to... Particularly in the suburb where we... The, well, you don't live there anymore, but I still no, do. No, it's the one that you, you yeah. use to take up to Douglas or whatever to get... Okay. To, it's so, like, it, the green yeah, belt exactly, or whatever you're talking exactly. about. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so you're saying... No, you're not... T- I pulled up I pulled up alongside him, and I said, why do you... Why do you use the If there road? is there's, a bike walk or a, a sidewalk, why right are you there. riding on the street? Well, they can't, you're said, not supposed to bike on the sidewalk, but you're saying That's a dumb rule. It's, it's you, not you, a sidewalk, you, though. It, it's a trail. It, 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 you yeah. should bike on that. We biked on the sidewalks. That's what we were taught. And he told and me- And a lot fewer people died than he, when we biked in traffic. You know what he okay? told me? He said it's dangerous to go on the trail because we go really fast. Well, there's like an in-between. Then. C- cars go really fast. Here's the in-between. If there's another option that's paved, get off the damn road. There's the in-between. Um, oh, I got to answer this question too. 
uh, it, basically everything makes me irrationally angry these days. Uh, but I think one of the most irrational things is creakiness, creakiness in anything, creaky floorboards, creaky door hinges, creaky anything. It just drives me nuts. Why are you so creaky? I just hate it. Uh, question two, what's the worst <sighs> plot twist in a movie you've ever seen? You make me want to cry sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Todd's like all of my ang- anger and ju- is justified two minutes later you make me want to cry but sometimes. it's just <laughs> creaky <laughs> it's <laughs> you know what I, 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 I can't wait to see what you're like at 70 Aaron as teenager dad <laughs> Aaron as teenager dad here, your kids are going to be embarrassed to be around you for any more than five minutes. Yeah. Okay. You're going to look for ways actively to embarrass them. Probably. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Plot twist that annoyed you. You thought was silly or annoyed us? Worst plot twist. Worst plot twist. I'll let you go first. I got to think about it. Or if this you one. need to think about it, I've, I've already got You got one. one? Okay, go ahead. Raz al Ghul's daughter in The Dark Knight Rises. I, I didn't appreciate. I didn't mind it at first, but I. That you think is the worst one? Yeah. I just, really? I mean, it's. It's it's interesting, but they'd already dealt with the League of Shadows. It seemed like you were just trying to re-rack the, um, Batman Begins. And so well, I they just, were bringing it full circle, is what they were doing. Mm, full okay. circle, re-rack, uh, tomato, tomato. No, they're to- totally different things. One is full circle. You brought the, the plot line where she's responsible for her father's death. And and they've brought that whole, you know, that's we started there. That's where it begins. It's like the end of Harry Potter. Right when he grabs on the Voldemort there at the top of Hogwarts and says, "Tom, let's let's a, let's start this how we finish. Let's finish it how we started it." But that's not a plot twist. That wasn't a plot twist. You saw that coming. Okay. I just I didn't I didn't like it too much. Uh, I've it, it's Snoke. I was just it's mine. You yeah. stole it, it. Did I? I'm sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. I, I intentionally stayed away. Yeah, from it, Star it's Wars it's Sno- it, it's Snoke. It's not even yes. close. I can't think of a close second. That was that mine. It, it's it's it it's it was insulting. Yes. It's not that it was, it, it, it went beyond bad. There are bad plot twists, but then there are things where I'm going to just urinate on my own audience and show a complete disdain uh, for my own subject matter and that I led them, uh, I led them along with no payoff. And I, I and because now I'm, I, I'm purposefully doing this to you. I want to antagonize you. I want to irritate my own fans. That's how bad the Snoke being a nobody uh, the, plot twist the was. The cosmic symmetry of this show today. Wow, because we're, I just mentioned yeah. the fly. Yeah, I, Somebody, didn't, I didn't know this. I didn't know this either. Somebody on Twitter just said, do you know who directed that episode of The Fly on Breaking Bad? And it's the worst episode. Ryan Johnson. Did he really? It's yeah. the worst episode of the entire show. Well, That guy really sucked. I, I still believe in terms of filmmaking, it's not even close. The Last Jedi is easily the best movie of the follow-up tr- trilogy. But it's bad. It, it's just not a good Star Wars movie. I agree with you. It's not a good Star Wars movie, but it's it is a, a great movie. movie. It is a great movie. It's, it's just a bad Star Wars movie. It's just well, so are you saying it's like looking like at a gorgeous model who also happens to be a serial killer and there's nothing else redeeming? Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, it, on the other hand, she has a wonderful singing voice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, and she packs time, a wall up in that sweater. Yeah. The more time passes, the the more angry I get with the Star Wars yes. trilogy. Because yes. I mean, Snoke. Well, on the Snoke thing, he was genuinely kind of scary, wasn't he? I mean, I, I was. Oh. He was definitely scary. And the only glimpse you got of him at first was this giant hologram of him, and you're like, "Is he a giant?" I mean, how big is this guy? J.J. Abrams kind of 
you know, the first movie, uh, The Force Awakens, it was a re-rack, but... Yeah, that's a definite re-rack. A re-rack, yeah. but he introduced kind of some new characters into the lore, kind of just tilled the garden for the next two movies, and then they they planted, I don't know, poop instead of seeds. Right. Uh, question number three. If you were given the opportunity to see in the, to the future, would you take it? Absolutely. Without question. Yes. Yep. No hesitation. You bet I would. No way. Especially. You couldn't when, handle the power. Especially if it came to sports betting. Let's Absolutely. Is, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm biffing oh. that sucker. You kidding me? Hell yeah. Yep. I'm in. I'm in. Yep. Dude, I'm the kid that went to the end of the choose your own adventure books to see what was the right answer to take and then read them back to front. Okay. So yeah, I, 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 I believe in reprogramming the Kobayashi Maru. I don't like leaving things to chance. I like winning. <clears throat> and so one way to make sure you win is to know what the end result is, is before you even do it. You, so I'm in. That's, you just failed the ring of power challenge. You cannot wield it, Steve. You I'm cannot aware, wield which it. Which is exactly why I would never take the ring of power. Yeah. But this is the ring of power. I don't necessarily have the, the opportunity to shape the future. He didn't say to shape it. Well, if you can, he, he didn't offer he didn't he didn't yeah. he didn't offer me all power. He offered me you know a form a, a a minor form of omniscience. Okay, but seeing into the ring the of future, power is shaping and molding the future. Well, Just being able to see it is different. But but seeing into the future though, then would change your present. It would if you knew how all of your loved ones were going to die. Would that or when? That would definitely change how you live your life now. Well, see, now we get into um, you, how much power does, do I have? Can I change the future? Can I change it? Right? This is where we get into the Doctor Strange argument, mm -hmm. all right? Where I try to go back in time and, and stop, or the Spider-Man argument, um, or I'm, not, I'm sorry, the Flash argument. This is Flashpoint. I go back in time to stop my mom from being killed. All right, but I can't really change the past. I can't really change the future. Those are things that are beyond me. Knowing them is one thing and then adjusting to some degree accordingly. But, you know, I, for example, even if I could change the method by, even if, hey, the future said I was going to die next Tuesday because I, you know, slipped on a banana peel and got ran over by a truck. And I make sure I'm not even in that intersection when Tuesday comes along. Am I still going to die? Am Don't I know. still going to die? Yeah. I'm going to die. It may not be just that Tuesday, but I'm still going to die. All right. So what? So even my ability to alter outcomes is limited. Okay. Do, that's that's different than the ring of power. That's God, all power. Did God give you the power to see the future? No. No, but he didn't give me the power so, to fly or well, have a green lantern get, ring. And we've get, answered those questions in the past. If you get that power, did. who I mean, do you hit think on the is giving it and to the you? Buccaneers, so. Is what? I mean, he hit on the Nationals and the Buccaneers, so. <laughs> Um, but no, if he didn't give it to you, then who do you think gave it to you? I, I, you're looking at this metaphysically. You well, just, that's what the other way is there to look I, at you just, it. We're he not just superheroes. We're okay. I mean, gave Daniel an ability to see into the well, future, that, right? I'm not saying he didn't, but did he, if, we can debate depending on when you think, depending on when you think revelation was written, he gave John no, the ability can't. to see into the future. But if not. God did not give it to you, if you, they knew God gave it to him. If you didn't know that it was God who gave it to you, who do you think gave it to you? 
Well, now, okay, well, now you're more specifying the question. Yeah. All right. I just kind of just took it generally. Okay. That's, if you had, if you could see into the future. This is like Ares okay? in Wonder Woman whispering stuff into I you. I mean, I'm, he, I'm, I don't know. Is there a dimensional rift that allows it? Okay. Is there some form of a scientific portal that allows it? Okay. You know, but okay. I still think, I still think though, because of the sovereignty of God, my ability to impact outcomes is very limited actually. I don't think the I don't think the it's I don't think God's outcomes. sovereignty is thwarted because was, I can see into the future. Which that's not the question. It's just about do you want the power to know or not? That's right, Aaron. But what's involved with that? I mean, what's involved with so I, I'm I back engineer this. I got a lot more mileage out of this question than what I thought when I came up with it ten seconds before we came back from break. Um, <laughs> I, I, well, at I, least you're honest. What would be the what would be the consequences of knowing the future? As you said, we're not God, and so if I knew everything in the future personally, corporately, if I if I could see the future like that, I'm not a superhuman. I'm not a superhero. I would not, whether or not I, whether or not I could actually do anything about it to change it. Um, I, I think of it. You would other. collapse under that. Under yes, the weight. think about what it does to you, not what you do to it. That's exactly right. right so there. that's that's why I would say no. I don't. All right, I don't. that's an interesting point. I will concede that. What does it do to you? I mean, which is why I would just biff it, you know. And I wouldn't even like. I'd be smart about it too. Like, um, if you if if I got like eighty percent of the games right, I'd get banned from every book in the world, right? Yeah, so yeah. it'd be like sixty or sixty one percent. No, but let you the s- house let the house get their you share. They, you have to yeah. give them their share. Yeah. So but you can't just biff it because you would know everything. You can't like compartmentalize it. That's the point. It would be it'd be like seeing the face of God. It would you would be destroyed by it. I don't think so. <laughs> oh, that's the most Dave says forever. I love it. That dude code accepts that answer. No, it's a fascinating question. I mean, I, I, I because I, I go into it under the presumption that my ability to alter and impact outcomes is very limited because I'm human. Just because I know something doesn't mean I can do anything about it. Like, I don't think the sovereignty of God is altered at all. To some degree, I'm giving, I'm given some freedom within the sovereignty of God to act on my own choices, right? I don't believe that that math or equation or calculus changes metaphysically at all. The more powerful argument, I think, is the one, in my opinion, is the one that you gave at the end. It's what it does to me more so than what I can do to it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I think that is a powerful argument. What does it do to you and your soul? That's a, a, that's a good point. We're back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.